Welcome to another life-changing message. sun that we look up on every day is a star. And what actually has a star is actually there's a constant, um, almost like an explosion that's uh, a fission, uh, like a stuff just constantly bursting together. It actually keeps a star burning. And the thing, the, the thing about a star is that a star, even though it's flaming and burning like that, it always has a certain shape. And, and a star has its own gravity. That's what helps it. That's why the sun is always that shape. The sun has its own gravity. And it keeps it like that. And it keeps it that in that, in, in that ever shape. There's, there's billions of stars. The brightest one we see is just the sun. And what is the, what is the awesome thing about stars and what we don't realize is that stars at some point group themselves together in something called constellations. And as Giselle was, Giselle was saying that, I, hear, I heard God saying, and I was trying to get the, make sure I get the words right, God is saying that we're about to be one of the brightest constellations. Because too, for too long, we've been looking for churches that have, just have a sun that's just burning by itself. That gives that, and then uh, and then every and then everybody else is like the moon. They just get that just gets their their light from the sun. They're just reflecting it. But God, but God actually wants you to be a star. He wants you to have your own gravity. He wants you to have your own thing that burns in you that makes you bright. And what He wants is that He doesn't want you to burn alone. So He wants us to get together in a constellation. God no longer wants a star. He wants a constellation. This is why Jay and I, we are are comfortable with, like, letting other people come up here and give prophetic words on Sunday. And as they come, most churches you go to, you would not see that happen. It's a way of honoring God and honoring the God in you. And when we don't give people and and opportunities to burn, when we don't give people opportunities to burn, what happens is that Eventually, because some stars fade away. I'm not, I'm not sure if you know this, but in, in, in actual astronomy, there's stars that disappear. Because what happens after a time, they, try, they, they burn out. Or because they have um, is a, the gas and stuff that they need goes, goes away. So they can't, they can't burn anymore. 
And what happens is as a body, when we don't honor people and we don't give them opportunities to burn, they're stars that disappear. So we have we actually what happens what happens in the church is that we the church has had the church has created more actual stars in the world than we actually realize. So a lot of people that we see singing on TV, a lot of a lot of great singers, a lot of great something like that, they started in church. And what happens is that it came to a point where the church tried to control the star. You see, you can't control a star. A star, a star has its own gravity. God built it that way. If God built an actual star that way, you think he's not the same? He doesn't have a design for you? And it's perfect because it segues it into uh, my word today. Um, I know I see the kids leaving. If you have any kids, you could excuse for children's church. Sorry. Amen. And I want us to understand that we are no longer in the age of where we should be looking to other people for our source. We don't look to other people from our source. I'm not saying don't listen to other people. I'm saying don't look to them as your source. Because what, what happens is that when you look to, at somebody as a source, and that source is no longer functioning the way that you expect it to function, because you said, you're my source. You're supposed to function this way. This is why some people get frustrated with their church and their pastor when things changes. Because they look for their pastors at, as the source. And when the pastor is not operating as they think they should, they said, you are no longer, they feel like they're no longer their pastor because they're not getting what they think they, they're supposed to get from that person. But at some point, we must understand that God that God is the ultimate source and we are just wells you see you build wells where water is already. You build wells where there's water is already. So the power is not in the well, even though you're getting water from it. The power is not in the well. The power is in the source. The well is just a structure that we use to gather that resource. You see, you're just a structure that God uses so that he can take his source, that the stuff that he has, and distribute it. 
So we must understand we are not sources. We are wells. And we should not And the funny thing about a well is that when they build a well in the community, you can't tell who not to go to the well. Right? When Jesus went to the well in the middle of the day, he saw the woman at the well and the story, and everybody knew all her dirt and everything, but she was still at the well. Because she know if that well is in my community, I have a right to access it. I think some of y'all missed it. Because you are a well of God, people have the right to access you and the God in you. You see, being a believer... It's not a privilege, it's a responsibility. See, when a well malfunctions, community starts to die. People have to move. See, there are, there are places and cities in Africa that are no longer exists because what happens is that the wells and the water that was around that neighborhood actually became deserts. That's how deserts formed. Deserts were not always deserts. Every desert you see wasn't always a desert. But what happens is that there's people in Africa at the sub-Saharan desert that, that actually made, build their lives around the desert. And so for some of us as believers, that's what we do. When, when there's no longer well, when there's no longer water there, and we feel that this is the place that we met God before and God is no longer there, we build a culture around deserts. It doesn't mean that life can't happen. It just means that abundance is not going to. So us as believers, we must understand that as we grow and as we, and as we develop and as we become vessels of honor, that we understand the responsibility that comes with it. Because if you're a well and you die, the community around you is affected. This is why we need, Jay, I need, you all, every single one of you that sit here on a Sunday, that come on a Sunday, we need you guys tapped into the source. We need you guys to be wells. We're not going to change this community 
by just Jay and I doing, or, or Shanique, or Portia, or anybody that you guys see as leaders in here as us doing it. It's not going to happen. But, because if Jay, if Jay walks around his community, he can touch, and probably today, probably about 100 people. Let's just be generous. But if we take all of you that are wells, and we go out into the, these streets of East, East New York, right here, it's exponentially greater the impact that we will have. So look at your neighbor and say, I need you to be a well. Amen. And I want to hop into our, my message. It's going to be really quick. This is going to be, it's going to be one of the quickest sermons you ever heard. <laughs> Jay, Jay's away and we're talking, we're in our vision, we're, we're, in our, we're in our vision series and we're talking about the vision of the house. Last week, Jay unpacked it a little bit, talked about the four G's of the house. Anybody has the four, anybody knows the four G's? What are the four G's? Okay, generosity. Give, give in generosity. You get, it's close, yes. So it's gifts, groups, growth, giving. Amen? Those are the four Gs. Every, every one of you guys, by, by the end of the vision series, you guys should know these four. This should be like... It's, it, it's what it is. It's the lifeblood of our church. We have to understand the structure and what God is doing in our house. And... I want, I want that to be, we want that to be understood because we want to understand the filter and how God uses our house. He established gifts, and when you get, when you, um, or, or if you want to use the terms that we got today, he establishes stars, stars get together in constellations, constellations give, constellations grow because they get more stars coming, and when constellation grows, they actually give more light. Oh, that was good. <laughs> Amen. Some constellations are brighter than others. When you look up in the sky, you can actually see different constellations. Some are, some are brighter than others. Some you can only see a certain time of the year. Some you can see all year round. I want us to be the one that you see all year round. It can be stormy, cloudy, rainy, snowy, night. Day, dusk, dawn, whatever you want to call it, shine. Or as Bird, or as Bird would say, light up the darkness. <laughs> All right. So, so Jay was talking about that, and I and he, what he wanted me to actually talk in and weave in a little bit in there is one of our let's talk about a little bit of our values. I only I picked one. I'm only going to talk about one. And it is honor. And we must understand what honor does. Honor affirms value. Honor affirms value. If you take your notes, that's point one. It's going to go quick. Honor affirms value. 
Um, oh, I lost. Okay, Casey, can you go help me out, please? Honor recognizes and affirms how valuable and powerful other people are because they are made in his image. Also, honor is never about perspective. See, we have this thing in our culture where we honor different people based on, based on how we see them. So our perspective gauges on how we honor people. So some people honor Jay more. Some people honor me more. Some people honor Andre Bird more. Some people honor Prophetess more. Some people honor Novi more, Jeff Vito more. Everybody honors people differently. But what, hap but what happens is that we base the honor on our perspective. Honor is, honor is not supposed to be based on your perspective. It's supposed to be on the prospectus of that person. I said a word. I know you guys look like I look at me like, like prospectus. What is it? What is it? It's a real word. And prospectus is basically what happens is that in the financial world, when you actually buy a stock or a bond or whatever, or a mutual fund or something like that, they actually, they give you a prospectus. What is in that prospectus is everything you need to know about that fund or that bond. It tells you who runs it. It tells you how much, how much fees it is. It tells you every stock that's in, that's in that mutual fund. It tells, it tells you how to plan to manage it. It, it, tells you, it tells you everything you need to know. It tells you the potential downfalls of, 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 that, of that thing and everything. That prospectus tells you everything that you need. That's in the financial world. But I feel, for us, the prospectus that we use is the word of God. And God says about every person that believes, that every believer is a royal priest, is part of his royal priesthood. They are a chosen generation. That's the prospectus of every person sitting in this room. See, I love coming to America when, when, when coming to America, everybody, they, they, I know one of Nadine's favorite movies too. <laughs> uh, we're coming to America, what happens is that when the, before the king shows up, the people just come and just start throwing rose petals around really quickly, really quickly, really quickly. But, and only the king could walk on those rose petals. And, and his son and his family, the royal family, can walk on the, on the, um, the rose petals. I feel with God, that's how God sees all of us. We only feel like certain people can walk on the rose petals, but God actually wants to let you all walk on the rose petals. Go to, we're going to go to Genesis 1 really quickly. Genesis 1, let's go 26. It's a little hard to read. Can you? There you go. This is the prospectus 
of every person in this room. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth, that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. That's your prospectus. You're made in this image, you're made in this likeness, you have dominion, you can be fruitful, you can multiply. If anybody ever asks you who you are, say, I'm made in this image, I'm made in this likeness, I can be fruitful, I can multiply, and I have dominion. I'm telling you if, you, if you start telling people and describing yourself like that, you will start to feel some kind of powerful. You will start to expect people to treat you a certain way, and when they don't, it won't matter. We won't have self-esteem issues. Because when somebody comes to you and says, and talks to you the wrong way, says, do you know who I am? I'm made in this image. I'm made in this likeness. I have, I have dominion. I can be fruitful, and I can multiply. Now, if you, have that, if you have that point of view and understand that perspective about yourself, nobody can treat you any less. <laughs> right? Honor recognizes and celebrates the best in people in spite of their differences. You see, what happens is that we, we, we're in a culture where difference is actually become an indifference. So because you're different, I become indifferent to you. So what we, what we actually supposed to be celebrating is your difference because you are made that way. You're made in this image. You're made in this likeness. That we don't, that we don't align it, and we don't understand that dif difference is not supposed to be indifference. And we must respond to everybody based on their God-given identity. Not on some story you heard about them, not on some rumor you heard about them, not on who you heard they were dating, not on her, not, not, not who you heard they divorced from, not who you heard that, they, that, that what bad things they were doing last night. That is not your problem. That is not your problem at all. Your perspective does not matter. 
Bert said it, Bert, Bert said it earlier in the worship, and he was talking, and he's like, don't matter about what every bad thing that you've done. God saw it, and he chose you anyways. Anyways. And because of that, and here's, and here's a, I'm, I'm going to, we have, I have verses for this. So if you want to take notes, I'm going to give you all the verses and we're going to, I'm going to close this out. So if that's their identity and we live, we, the level of honor we have for a person directly affects our ability to receive from them. Our level of honor actually affects so a person directly affects our ability to receive from them. Scripture, Matthew 10, 40, 10 and 42, Philippians 2, 1 to 4, 1 Corinthians 4. <laughs> I'm going to repeat it. 1 Corinthians 4, 14 to 20, 2 Kings 4, 8 to 37. I'm going to say it again. Matthew 10, 40 to 42. Can you pull that one up for me? Matthew 10, 40 to 42. I'm going to just give you, I'm just give you the guys the rest. Philippians 2, 1 to 4. 1 Corinthians 4. Philippians 2, 1 to 4. 1 Corinthians 4, 14 to 20. 2 Kings 4, 8 to 37. Do we have that? No, I'm talking about the scripture. You guys don't have it. I'll, I'll repeat it one more time. Um, this is Matthew 10. He who, he who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. The level of honor that you have of a person directly affects what you can receive from that person. That's the same thing I said in that first line. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man reward. And whosoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, or surely I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Your level of honor that you have for a person directly affects your ability to receive from them. Scriptures one more time. You guys have Matthew 10, Philippians 2, 1 to 4, 1 Corinthians 4, 14 to 20, 2 Kings 4, 8, 37 to 37, okay? So, what does that, what does that mean for us as a house? It means we love people even if we do not receive anything from them in return. 
There's no quid quo pro in the church. Quid quo pro is basically, if you guys don't know, is what, what, what politicians do. You do something for me, I do something for you, and you, guys, I don't, you might not pay me back now, but you might pay me back sometime down the line. There is no quid pro pro in the church. Arrest you, we all will be indebted to God forever. All right? Um, number two, we regularly ask God to help us see the people in our lives as he does and to encourage them with the truth, with the truth he tells us about them. If you want a scripture verse for that first one, Romans 5 and 8 for that first one. We love people even if we don't receive anything. Romans 5, 8. Second one. Scripture you can use for scripture behind that is 2 Corinthians 5, 16, and 17. A subs um, you ready? Next one. We recognize where other people fit in the body of Christ, celebrate the individuality, and make rooms for their gifts to be expressed. Listen. Do you understand what happens when Beyonce shows up at a place? If Beyonce, if Beyonce shows up on stage and, she's, and, and something's happening and it's not a certain, and everybody makes sure that things, like there's people who actually knows, she, they, this is crazy. So there's actually people whose job is actually to know what Beyonce likes. Their, their job is to know what, how she likes her water. What's her favorite? What's her favorite brand of water? Does she like it sparkling? Does she like it still? Does she? Does does she? What, what's her favorite candy? What's her favorite food? What's her favorite snack? Uh, what does she like to? What does she like before she goes on stage? What does she like after she goes on stage? There's people who are actually that's their job. That's their job. Our job as believers and people and, and how we honor people in our church is that we recognize their gifts and what they are and we make room for their gift. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's recognizing their gifts and making room so that gift can be expressed in the best way possible. That's all they're doing because the people understand if she gets what if she's if she is in the good mood, if she's in the best if she's in the best place possible, her gift and the way she's gonna perform is gonna be better. Some people need to belong before they believe. Some people need to belong before they believe. Rather than judge people outside the church, we love, serve, and speak life to them, hoping that they will soon embrace the truth of the Father's love. We make room for people. And what we must understand, we all have a natural propensity to wanting to belong. 
And what we must understand is that every, and because we understand that, we must make room for people to belong before we ask them to believe. So you do things to actually reach their existential needs. So you need food? Here you go. You need somebody to help you babysit your daughter because you're a single mom and you have, and you, and you have a job that's kind of crazy and you have long hours? Okay, make you, that's what you do. I guarantee you, if, if every church in every neighborhood would open a daycare that's 24 hours and have, and have access for single moms and, 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 and single dads and people who are stuck in period, I guarantee you their, church, their churches won't be empty. I guarantee you their churches won't be empty. Because what happens is that you're making, you make, you're giving a place for them to belong. Next one. Um, verse scripture for that one is John 3, 17 and Romans 2, 4. It's, it is a mistake to give honor to those in leadership, but not to those in our everyday lives. It's a mistake. And if you're making that mistake, correct it. You see, this is why Jay told a story, and, other, and I've heard this story before, is that this is why you have um, problems with issues where Wives will come to church, honor their pastors, and go home and don't honor their husbands, and the husband hates the pastor and don't want to come to church. You see, now you put the pastor in your love triangle, and, 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 he, does, and he never acts to be, and so now your husband is mad at him because he's getting the respect that he thinks he should deserve. Don't make that mistake, ladies, okay? <laughs> Sarita said, oh, that's not a problem. Verse, scripture for that, 1 Corinthians 12, 24 to 26. I have a bunch of scriptures. I'm going to give you guys one or two. So I, there's a lot. Um, I'm trimming this down. Philippians 2. Three to seven, that's the next scripture that goes with that. It's a mistake to give honor to those in leadership, but not to those in our everyday lives. If our brother or a sister sin, we help them to find the root cause of their behavior so that they can be restored to wholeness. Listen, this is my, that was my last point. Your single greatest ministry is reconciliation. If you have the inability to reconcile, you have missed the gospel. If you have the inability to actually pick up a fallen saint, you have missed the gospel. 
You see, I don't believe in somebody doing bad and you sit them down or something happened with a pastor and you kick them out of the church. What we do, because what, what, what we are establishing is that you're not, you're greater than me, so you, you can't make that mistake, but I can. Because I guarantee you, a lot of pastors that kicked out of the church for infidelity, they have a whole bunch of people that they counseled that were in infidelity and never told them to divorce or kick them out or kick them out of the church. You see, our inability to redeem people makes our gospel powerless. Because it's a gospel of honor. We find ways to restore people. The, 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 what the, the biblical definition of what, we call, what they call Jesus, they call him our kingsman redeemer. You see, in old school biblical days, the only person that could redeem you or can actually help you back in the days was somebody that's actually in your line, in your lineage. This, this is what this is what that's also what can happen is that a woman can a woman needs, this this is this is biblical days not now but uh, a woman could get married to say let's say Andre and I are brothers right so my my, my I get my my wife get I get married to me I pass away uh, Andre is actually the only person that actually has the right to actually redeem her and call him his wife Reason why I said that. Here's the, here's, 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 here's the reason why I said that. If somebody in this church sins and they fall away, you are the only person that have the right to redeem them. I'm going to say it to this side. If somebody in this section sins, you are the only person that have the right to redeem them. You're the only person to have the right. You are part of their kin. They're in your lineage. You're the only person that has the right to redeem them. But you actually, some people, not you, but some people believe, and what they do is that they, have, they actually have the ability to condemn them. <laughs> they love that part. You see, it's a lot easier to condemn than to redeem. And you can take the, and we love taking the easy way out where we actually condemn people all the time because it's easier to condemn than it is to redeem. Because part of redemption and re is restoration. And if you know anything about restoration, Restoring anything that's considered classic or pristine is that you have to have special care when you restore it. See, if you look at, if you go look at um, Notre Dame, they just, it, just, it, it just had a fire and everybody beat. So if they want to redeem that and do that, then they can't just go pick any architect. They can't just pick any builder in the world. They have, to feel, they have to find a specialist, somebody that is going to take the care and take the time and, and actually know the right tools. Come on.
knows how long you have to set the pain for. Knows, knows, how, knows, when you have, knows at what time in the process to peel the pain off. And, actually, and then they put on the primer. They, they actually know the time. How do you restore a proper stone? How do you, how do you restore a cornerstone? I'm speaking a whole bunch of things I want to get into, but I can't get into. But, but the, 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 thing is, the thing is, that's all parts of people. Some people, when they, when they fall away, they lose their cornerstone. They lose the thing that, that actually grounds them. So, you're, so you actually have to find, you actually have, because you don't know, you have to help them find that thing that grounded them before. You have to find that cornerstone. Help them. And then you actually have to help them redeem, the, redeem that cornerstone and actually restore that cornerstone to actually the way it's supposed to be, but better. You see, when, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you redeem and you restore something, you're supposed to make it better. So when, we, so when you redeem a believer and you actually restore them, you are supposed to make them better. So the next time the enemy comes, and next time, and next time, and next time the enemy tries to do something, they're better. And you don't have to worry about helping them because they're strong enough. You see, honor makes people strong. When we honor people, it makes them strong. We have weak churches because our honor is weak. And you will find, in strong churches, you will find honor. In strong churches, you will find honor. Not big churches, strong churches. Because we get them confused. Big churches don't mean they're strong. Just means that they're big. They have more space. More people is there. Somebody's, somebody likes it and, it and they evangelize really good. That does not mean they're strong. So when honor affirms the value of a person, it affirms it. Key thing, affirms it. Honor affirms it. That means it's already there. You see, you can't affirm something that you don't think is there. You can't affirm something that you don't think it's there. So the fact that you feel that you can't honor a person, it's not wrong with that person. It's wrong with you. Because there's something there to affirm. There is something there to affirm. This concludes another life-changing teaching from Hungry for God Church. For social media updates and more teachings from our pastors and leaders, please visit our site, h4gchurch.com.